Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Landmarking is an important event on the management calendar for all sheep producers. It is a time to undertake husbandry practices, including cow docking, castration, mulesing and vaccination. These preventative measures support the ongoing improved health and welfare of the youngest members of the Australian sheep flock. However, landmarking is not just all about lambs, but an opportunity to assess production within a flock to maximise productivity and long-term performance. In farming terms, it is a sheep producer's chance for yield mapping, a time to evaluate the previous 12 months, assess the opportunities that may lay ahead, and importantly, start planning for next year. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Dr. Tim Goll to discuss some of his tips and tricks for this year's landmarking. Tim is a veterinarian with 14 years experience with sheep in New South Wales, Queensland and the United Kingdom. Tim now resides in Dubbo and is a principal of a production and consulting firm focusing on sheep, aptly named for flock's sake. Welcome, Tim, and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. G'day, Fiona. Thanks for having me. Tim, landmarking is a busy time on the sheep management calendar. What are the main principles producers need to focus on to achieve best practice management? Um, Fiona, I always think about like what the how do we define a principle? And a principle is is a like a universal truth. Um, and when we look at our landmarking and we look at the best practice guidelines from um, the AWI handbook, is that we you know it illustrates really maximising hygiene minimising stress on our sheep and um, maximising uh, the recovery of our, of our lambs. No doubt, Tim, timing in, comes into this. So how important is getting timing correct at landmarking? Oh, it's, it's really important. And there's a couple of really good reasons why. Um, you know, I suppose best practice is trying to mark our lambs between two and eight weeks of age. And why is that? Well, it's all about the wound and the stress. Um, any younger than two weeks and they can get... Um, you know, knocked back by such a setback. Any older than eight weeks, we get a, you know, bigger wound, it's harder to lift, and that plays out into OH&S risks, um, increased risk of arthritis, but also, you know, <clears throat> they can be, um, you know, if we vaccinate mum, their immunity is um, really covered up to eight weeks. So, we, you know, we're trying to protect against those really um, nasty clostridial bugs like um, tetanus would be a good one. Tim, recently you joined me on the Sheep Connect New South Wales webinar series and we discussed this matter in depth and you referred to sheep producers as surgeons, which put such an important emphasis on landmarking practices. What should producers keep in mind this year? Uh, yeah, really good question, Fiona. I suppose in my head I always think uh, country vets want to be um, farmers and all farmers think they're vets. And when I look at... Um, uh, landmarking. Well, it's, you know, we're doing surgery on sheep. So therefore, every farmer is really a sheep surgeon. And we know as surgeons that we need to be precise with our surgery. We need to be clean with our surgery because, you know, 
We don't want any infections in our patients. You know, we want to minimise the pain and, dis and discomfort for our patients. So we um, really want to keep in mind, you know, some of our anaesthetic and analgesic options to really minimise um, the discomfort. But also we want to maximise um, our patient health um, during this during this period. Universally, all surgeries have complications. What are some of the difficulties that may arise during landmarking surgery? Uh, Fiona, I reckon that I suppose some of the biggest complications we see um, will be associated with um, arthritis post-marking. Um, and really that is um, basically um, because, um, you know, we're, if we're surgeons, we are operating in the, you know, the hardest uh, operating theatre in the world, like we're out in the paddock, are uh, in the sheepyards, um, and so uh, hygiene is, you know, is a real challenge for us, and that's why we've got to really think of it as surgery um, to minimise the chance of arthritis. Because what we do know is that um, wound contamination and the size of wound are direct risk factors for the development of arthritis post marking. And how can we get the best out of surgery on farm then? Um, I suppose the you know the, there's a couple of points I think to, you know as surgeons to get the best out um, outcomes for our surgery and that's one step one let's get those lambs landing on their feet coming out of the cradle super important we really don't want to have any contamination because we know that um, contamination on a wound site again drives um, the risk of getting arthritis in our joints the second one I'm always you know a big believer in surgery uh, Cleanliness is next to godliness. We want to make sure um, at every opportunity we're cleaning all our instruments, making them um, as clean as possible. Um, you know, and, and the old 10 second rule, well, it doesn't really count if you're a surgeon, does it? Like you can imagine if you were getting a skin cancer taken off um, and your surgeon drops a scalpel blade on the floor and picks it up, like how would we feel? You know, we need to make sure, again, hygiene's a big principle of surgeons. We've got to make sure we're hygiene, we're keeping all our instruments as clean as possible. Um, the next one would be um, getting our, our lambs, our patients back with their mums as soon as possible. Then what we need to do as surgeons, we've got to make sure we're using our instruments the right way. So we've got to have proper vaccine use, we've got to use quarter inch needles, um, we've got to make sure that the vaccines are, are protected and don't get um, damaged. Um, we've got to keep all our instruments, you know, hot and sharp, and then finally, really, is just kind of um, checking the calibration of our instruments because um, they do change over time, Fiona. And Tim, all of this is to prevent against getting infection. So what are some of the primary bugs that might cause infection on farm during surgery? Yeah, we kind of break them in, into a couple of groups, Fiona. And, and you know, I suppose for um, arthritis, um, I would think about, well, you know, and breaking it down to its barest and trying to make it as simple as possible. We've got bugs that cause pus and bugs that um, don't cause pus. And how they do, they get in um, to the wound, either from the tail or a castration site or uh, mules, and then they get into the bloodstream. And what they do is go along and, and find a nice little hidey hole, which is our joints. Um, joints don't have as good as immune system as the rest of the body. Um, and same with the bones. And anyone who's dealt with foot abscess knows this. Um, so it goes in there, and so now we've got a, a you know a little patient um, had such a setback, got a bit of bacteria in the blood, and it's gone and found the joint, and from there it just has a you know has a field day if we're not careful and we don't take care of our hygiene. I suppose the main thing um, going back to why we why we need to know about um, which type of bug it is is that if we have a problem with certain bugs, particularly erysipelas, then we know 
Um, if we get a diagnosis of that, well, then we can go and find a management solution for that. And that's using something like um, Aerivac, which is so why it's so important to get a diagnosis on, on your arthritis. We just don't go out and vaccinate all our sheep then. So how can a producer get a diagnosis for arthritis? Oh, that's a great question, um, Fiona. And really, if you have a problem, you need to um, get um, veterinary advice and generally kind of work out, well, what bug it is. Because, you know, if we do um, a blanket vaccination problem and it's not, and we don't even have a problem with that bug, then we're just, you know, we're, we're really using resources that could be better used somewhere else. So that's why getting a diagnosis is, is really so important. And then from there, we can work back and say, hey, where can we improve, you know, how did this happen? And let's put some things in place, like a vaccination program, if we've got an erysipelix problem, to ensure that we minimise the chance of these complications to our patients. That's excellent advice. But a vaccination program that's non-negotiable is, of course, that the one that's out there for our clostridial diseases. Can you just take us through and refresh us on what is a vaccination program for clostridial diseases? Oh, that's a great one. And in clostridial diseases, we see so many problems with that out in the field. Um, in, in terms of our landmarking framework, um, what we're thinking about doing is that we want to provide those uh, little patients protection for that um, procedure. The best way to do that is to vaccinate our ewes four weeks before um, lambing. What that does, remember, all vaccines stimulate the body give, and so we develop antibodies. But by doing it four weeks out from lambing is that our antibodies get to be transferred via colostrum to our lambs and that gives them, they can give protection to up to eight weeks. So if we go back to best time to do our lamb marking, two to eight weeks of age, then we've got a great opportunity um, to protect those lambs during that surgery procedure, um, vaccinate them at marking, but then it sets up the vaccine. Remember, vaccines are like shoes. Um, one's probably better than none, but really you need two to get anywhere. So it sets us up for our second vaccine at weaning, which gives them so much significant protection to our patients, particularly our weaners who are going to go out and face pulp and kidney. So after we're protecting our, our, our weaners, you know, you know, two vaccinations in their life is not enough. We, they're going to be facing these challenges. Remember, vaccination is like giving a, a bit of a training run on how to beat the baddies in the real world. We need to do a training run for our, our, all our sheep um, every year. And for that to be as effective as possible, we need to be um, using vaccines um, in the best way possible. Um, and, that, and that is, you know, and needle size is the start of that. And we want to use quarter inch needles and then we want to protect our needles. You know, we don't want to recontaminate any vac any vaccines. Keep everything clean um, and calibrated. I'd like to move on to tail docking now, and the recommendations for tail docking in industry are to tail dock at joint three to four. How important is it that we get this tail length correct? Oh, great question, um, Fiona. And you know, leading up to the webinar, um, Sheep Tech Sheep New South Wales put a great little post going, well, what is, um, you know, cancer arthritis um, and fly stroke have in common? And it's all um, linked back to, um, you know, tail length for our, for our lambs. Now, why we do it between three and four is really um, at that length, we still get enough length that um, I use. Um, all lambs can really lift that tail up and channel any urine and feces away from the breach area. So that reduces contamination, but also that 
that, that kind of wiggle with the tail helps reduce fly strike and keeps the flies moving on. The second one is that at, you know, between three to four um, joints, it covers the tail, gives enough length, enough shade to cover the bare areas of the breach and protect from sun damage. And that, you know, just like us, you know, skin cancers happen when we get too, too many sunburns. Um, the, the next reason is that it reduces the chance of rectal prolapse. Um, and people who have done a lot of um, feed lotting or, or drought lotting for the last couple of years um, will have known that that's a real problem. And particularly with that, um, with a short tailing, there's not enough anchorage of the muscles on the tail to kind of keep everything in place. And finally, um, as surgeons, we know the bigger the wound, the more chance we have of infection um, and the longer healing time. So keeping it at that three to four joint um, keeps a smaller wound, it reduces the chance of arthritis and it gives us a shorter healing time. The next part of best practice surgery that I'd like to talk about is the effective use of anesthesia and analgesia. We are fortunate in Australia to have a number of options available to sheep producers now. Can you firstly tell us what the difference is and when are they best used? When we think about um, pain um, and, and associated those with um, uh, husbandry procedures at Marky, we've kind of got two areas. We've got the fast pain, which is kind of like um, when you touch the hot plate on a stove and you, you know, bring that hand back. That's, that's got a, a part of fast pain. And fast pain is just literally a message that goes from, you know, where the insult's happening straight up to the brain saying, hey, something isn't, isn't going right down there. We need to address that behaviourally. And so for humans, that's us pulling our hand away. Um, so um, I suppose the chronic pain or the um, slow pain is all the kind of damage in the body's response to that. And that's if you've been burnt, that's the throbbing. Um, and that starts probably, you know, close to an hour and it can go on. And we know it can last for, you know, 24, 48 hours or longer in, in our sheep. So what's the difference? So when we use um, anesthesia, that is blocking um, the pain and sensory function of the nerve. So that's in the, the acute phase. So what that means is that's pretty much hitting the mute on your, on your phone. The problem with anesthesia though, is that it works super well because we're muting the phone, but it's very short acting. Analgesia, however, um, that is providing pain, pain relief by directing anti-inflammatories and trying to control the damage at the site. Now the pros of this is that it lasts heaps longer, um, up to 72 hours in some products. Um, the cons are that, you know, it's not as effective in the short term about, because it doesn't desensitise it the same way an, an anaesthetic does. So we have short term and we have long term products. What products do we have that are available in those categories? And can we use them in combination to target both those phases? You know, as you said before, Fiona, we're so lucky in Australia, we've got actually quite a good armory. If we're a surgeon, you know, we've got really four products that we can use, you know, because we're surgeons, we want to minimise that, that patient discomfort. So um, in our armory, um, we've got two, two products that live in the, the anaesthetics. So they're, they're, they're the products that mute the phone um, and they're numb nuts and trisulfan. In the analgesics, we've got two products um, one is called Medicam and the other one is called Buccalgesic. Um, now, what we know, and there's a um, great um, literature review done by AWNI and CSIRO uh, on this topic, they've reviewed thousands of papers, is that um, 
what we see is that, you know, just like when you go to the dentist and you get the local anaesthetic, um, which numbs everything, but that wears off and so then you're on the neurofin. So we know that um, with our surgical procedures, if we use both, both combinations, um, then we get the much better outcome, but also it lasts for so much longer. The most obvious benefit of using anesthesia and analgesia is alleviating discomfort, as you've said, but there must be other benefits to the landmarking practice. Oh, oh definitely. So, you know, um, some real, real simple practical benefits is that, um, you know, we're going to make, it's going to be easier using anesthetics and analgesia, the big A's, um, we're going to be able to, it's going to be easier to move our lambs post-marking. They're going to be better at mothering up. And remember, with surgeons, we want less wound contamination. So we reduce that kind of behaviour where they'll be lying down um, and contaminating that wound. Other effects that we can really kind of look to um, alleviate in our patients is the shock to the immune system. Remember, they've got to fight all, you know, their little lambs. They don't have a great immune system. We've got to make sure they don't get any shocks and keep that white blood cells up so they're ready to fight any baddies and reduce the... Um, the um, chance of arthritis. Uh, physiologically, we know that, you know, when we've got a little lamb, that these marking procedures really knock us around. Um, and so what we're looking at there is to really kind of minimise that stress. It's kind of like <clears throat> trying to give as much support as, as the footy player, you know, hitting the, hitting the back line of the All Blacks. We're trying to really kind of help them kind of break that line and keep growing, keep moving forward. And probably finally, the, the big one is really, well, how do we address um, expectations and the needs of our customers and consumers? You know, landmarking procedures, um, you know, do bring on some negative emotions, you know, in ourselves as we do them, but also in our consumers and our non-consumers. So we want to make sure that um, by using these kind of products, we can manage their expectations, we can address any of their concerns and say, hey, we're surgeons and we're doing everything we possibly can to mitigate your concerns, but also we're trying to take care of our patients because we care about them a lot. And basically, um, it really makes us feel good taking care of our patients in that manner. Yeah, absolutely, Tim. And Tim, landmarking isn't just about lambs. What are some of the key practices we can do to optimise future performance of our whole flock at landmarking time? Oh, now, it's really exciting and, and that's... Um, a part of something that we can do at landmarking is it starting to look, well, is there any other benefits? What else can we do in our system to really start driving driving um, our production and the health and, and our reproductive rates? And first one, and the price is right, because it doesn't cost much at all, is to do wetting and drying of our ewes. And that's a, that's examining, examining sorry, the, the udders of our ewes and, and assessing, well, who's lambed and who's lambed and lost? So what we know, and we've seen that, you know, on, on papers from the Trangy Research Station, is that we've got the top 25% of our flock and the bottom 25% of um, anyone's flock. Now, the difference between that and a merino flock is that, well, on average, how many lambs do we bring through? Um, now, um, the difference there is that we've got a, there'll be a subsection of ewes that we'll call the passengers, um, or if you're a footy player, you know, the bludgers or the seagulls, and they're the people, they're the animals, sorry, that are out there with low tackle counts, and they're using up all our resources, they're getting in lamb, but they're not, they're not taking that through because um, they're just not great mums. And what we know is that if you're not a great mum, 
it's repeatable. So what we want to do is find those passengers, find those um, players who don't have high tackle counts or if you're netball or high goal counts, and let's fight them off the island. Or at the very minimum, let's just um, identify them and then we can create an onion on on if we need to make um, some culling decisions um, or destocking decisions if we face another try period. The next one I think really is, is going, well, I'm a big believer in if so, why so, if not, why not? So a landmarking, a landmarking percentage to use join or and a landmarking percentage to use scanned in LAM gives us a great idea to see where our scoreboard is. If it's gone really well, well, what have we done? What can we do in place to make sure that happens again? If it hasn't gone well, well, if so, why so? If not, why not? Let's look at, well, you know, if we lost a had some losses from scanning to lambing, well, let's look at our paddocks. Where did we land down? What was the topography? Where was the wind coming from? Um, was it located next to a, a main road, a location? How much um, feed on offer was there? What was our body condition of score of our use? Um, did we weigh any of the lambs that didn't make it? Did we conduct any lamb autopsies? Um, and it probably the, you know, the really good key there is going, well, let's get ready to manage weaning because we know that that's the next spot. You know, we've scored the tries, we've got the landmarking percentage at weaning time. That's our ability to kick the conversion and, and draft that tail off for a little bit of extra help. Tim, just before we finish up, if listeners are after more information for their landmarking this year, where can they go? For producers, if they're looking at um, what options they would like to explore for their anaesthesia or analgesia, I'd so strongly recommend recommend going and speaking to their local vet um, and just really kind of run through, well, what procedures are you doing? Um, what's your preference? How are we going to address some of those aspects of pain? So first step for, say, um, looking at how we mitigate or, or how do we take care of our patients and minimise their discomfort, I think, I'd, you know, go to your local vet. Um, but from there, I suppose the next one is that there's some really great resources on um, Sheep Connect New South Wales uh, uh, website. There's some great webinars. Um, Winning with Wieners is a is a great webinar that we've got, and it is is a workshop as well. And that's a really good, you know, we're all on lifelong uh, learning adventures. And if you wanted to look for, well, how can I be proactive? Um, I'd be heading to Winning with Wieners would be the, my next spot. Um, but also the AWI website's got a whole lot of resources as well. Excellent. Thanks, Tim. With lambs on the ground across New South Wales, the information you've shared with us has been excellent and very timely for our listeners. So thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Fiona. And I suppose I'd like, just like to finish, just remember, uh, for all the sheep surgeons out there, you know, you're a surgeon, you, you know, practice best hygiene. Um, I suppose good surgeons use... Uh, you know, one anaesthetic or analgesia, but um, great surgeons out there will use both. And I think there's some really um, great options and solutions um, for producers out there. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. 
We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.